Hey, welcome to the How to Write a Novel podcast. Just outside a mall in Coquitlam, BC. There are so many people smoking. (laughs) It's like, who still smokes in this day and age? I've got a couple of friends who uh, were smokers. I think they've all quit. Maybe one of them hasn't. But I feel like we are like the tail end of that generation, surely, right? Who's still smoking? It's ludicrous. But uh, it reminds me of, I read this story the other day, so I was mentioning how much I like uh, the game Star Control 2. And uh, I found, I think it's interesting, like that chain where maybe someday, assuming I finish this book, assuming anyone reads it, and assuming anyone likes it, maybe they'll dig through shit and realize, like, oh, this guy referenced Star Control 2, I should play Star Control 2. Then I'm like, I wonder if they won't like it, though. What if they (laughs) play it and they're like, oh, this sucks. Because I found a big list of recommendations from the two lead guys who made Star Control. Books that they referenced. And uh, so far I have not liked any of the stuff. <laughs> I've got a few more to go though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it just in case. Because you know, you never know what will work out. Where you'll find inspiration. Where you'll find something useful. And rather than just complete randomness and slipshodness, I would rather follow someone's recommendation, especially with stuff like old sci-fi novels. I mean, I don't know where to fucking go with that shit. But it hasn't paid off that much so far. But this one, uh, the one I'm reading now, the guy's name, I believe, is Larry Niven. I don't have the book with me because it's rainy as fuck today. Maybe you can hear the gentle pitter-patter on my umbrella. He has a a series of stories called the Known World Stories. So I got the first collection. And uh, it includes the very first short story this guy ever wrote. And he even says in the introduction, he's like, I don't really care for this very much. I kind of wanted to leave it out. But for the sake of completionism, if you bought this collection, you probably want all the stuff. So here it is. And it's funny because this is, so it's his first story. It's from, I think, 1977. But it's immediately ludicrous. Like the guy seems like an okay writer and stuff. But uh, a little more on the hard sci-fi side so far than what I expected because Star Control is so goofy. But this guy, he's on a mission on uh, Mars, I believe, and uh, they're trying to capture this creature that they suspect is there. So basically, he goes out in the night when it's, you know, on the, the dark side of the planet, turns off all his own lights, and he just has to wait for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever, and hopefully lure out this creature. So it's not that long of a wait. He doesn't actually have to do anything, he just has to wait. This is obviously an extremely high level mission because it's on another planet. He's in a space suit, you know, (laughs) he's on another world. And because it was 1977, I guess, a little tube comes out of it. I mean, it just kind of hits you out of nowhere where it's like, well, I had to wait for 40 minutes in the dark. So I decided to have a little smoke. So within this guy's spacesuit, a little tube comes out and goes into his mouth. 
and he has a little smoke in, a little space smoke. Nice relaxing space smoke. And then he empties out his little space pipe. And he thinks about how great these modern spacesuits are. And it was the, it was the most ridiculous thing I have maybe ever read. Why in God's name would there be a built-in pipe within the enclosed environment of your spacesuit? Because, like, first off, as an astronaut, maybe you shouldn't be smoking at all, but surely you can wait the 40 minutes till you get back to the fucking ship, right? <laughs> like, for fuck's sake. And it's just so... It's so absurd, like, it's just so crazy how, how mired in one's cultural milieu, you know, a person can get, that they just think that that's a normal thing to put in a story. Like, maybe it even went the other way. Like, to me, that seems so crazy. But maybe he was like, like, well, it would be crazy not to put that in. What would people think? If they couldn't smoke in their spacesuits, no one's gonna want to fucking go beyond if there's no smoking. <laughs> it was just weird. Just weird as fuck. And I'm always extra fascinated when that happens with sci-fi authors. Like, it's one thing if your average schlub can't see outside of the parameters of their own life. But I just presume that writers in general, and especially speculative fiction writers, that's their whole deal, right? That's what they do, is like, let's look beyond. Let's look outside of the borders of this society we're in, and let's examine what other societies might be like, what other creatures might be like, what other circumstances might be like. Let's look at the future. Because I'm also, I think that's really interesting, like, the idea that the future is a new-ish concept. Like, in the days of castles and moats and shit, they didn't have stories about spaceships, of course, because they didn't know about space. They didn't have enough understanding to even be able to fantasize. To them, they thought it was going to be castles and moats forever. Just bigger castles and bigger moats till the end of time. And I feel like we got over a real big hurdle with the ability to conceptualize of what we now call science fiction. So yeah, to see though, to see one of those guys, because I also just feel like 1977 isn't that long ago. I mean, I was born in 79. It's not like this story is from 1930 or 1940 or even 1950. Astronauts don't smoke in their spacesuits. It's just so fucking stupid. But then beyond just uh, an opportunity for me to uh, belittle and mock the work of others, it does kind of make you think like, like I wonder then what I'm missing. Like what is it about this society I'm in right now that I just take so for granted that I'm overlooking that I'm, that, you know, that it's in all my work. 50 years from now, is somebody gonna read my stuff and be like, ha, look at this 2018 fucking dickhead. This is ridiculous. Everyone's drinking coffee? 
No one drinks coffee anymore. Coffee's bad for you. Coffee is like bug poison that makes you crazy. How weird that everybody drank coffee back then and they just thought it was so normal that even in their conception of the future, everyone was still drinking coffee. Like, is that gonna happen? I guess there's no way to know and that's the whole point. Yeah, it's just wacky. And that's just a tiny, silly little example and I just think it's also very funny that it's his very first ever story. It couldn't be more of like a first story thing of just like, this guy got good later, but look what he, look at his first story, what was that? A bigger example that I always find, you know, I just kind of uh, keep rolling around in my head with no particular answer, is that guy Orson Scott Card. I haven't read a pile of his books, but I've never read one of his books that's bad. I mean, I've mostly only read the Ender series, and then, you know, the, the ones that spurred off on Ender's side, Xenogenesis and stuff, they weren't as good. But then he started doing all the other ones, Ender's Shadow and such. I didn't read all those because they just won't stop coming out. But, but what I've read, I mean, I like them. They're pretty good. Ender's Game is, of course, a classic. But if you really want the good shit, one of Orson Scott Card's very first novels, my friend Heidi lent me this book back when we were both projectionists. It's called A Planet Called Treason, and then he revised it and put it out again as just treason. I've read both versions and I don't know what the difference is, so either one is fine. It is so fucking good. It is, I just read it again just like three months ago. I've read it a bunch of times and I love it so much. It's the definition of like a young, vibrant writer who has so many ideas, it's crazy. This could have been like a 12 book series and instead it's one short book because just more stuff keeps happening and more ideas keep happening and it's so fucking cool. I love it. You know, it's got little weirdnesses here and there, but the overall thing, just so great. But as I'm sure you know, Orson Scott Card is a fucking idiot. Like he's just a dumb Mormon. He's just like, I don't agree with gay people and I think it undermines the fucking fabric of society and it's clearly deviant behavior and I bet most of these gay people are probably gay because they got touched when they were kids and it's just like you are so off the fucking mark it's ridiculous <laughs> you know <laughs> like you're just so wrong your opinions are so fucking stupid and narrow-minded and ridiculous and clearly based quite heavily on his Utah Mormonism. And again, it's like maybe I'm just expecting better of writers. But again, like if the average person is just a Mormon, grew up in Utah, grew up around Mormonism and they're a Mormon and they have all these ridiculous religion-based ideas, Fine, whatever. It's been happening since the beginning of time. It'll be happening forever. That's what human beings do. We're tribal, we're dumb. We just follow what happens around us most of the time. But a writer's not supposed to be like that. And especially not a science fiction writer and especially not one who's actually good. Maybe he's written a bunch of shit, but I mean, he's got a good chunk of good stuff. You're like, this is a clever ass dude. This is some neat shit. 
what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> you know? Why? How? How can you be a sci-fi writer and still be so just mired in your surroundings? I don't understand it. I just, it's so weird to me. Okay, so that rant came about just because I saw some people smoking. What I actually wanted to talk about today is uh, I'm kind of wiped out today. Maybe that's why I'm also so uh, frazzled feeling in my brain. I'm a little tired because uh, I've been kind of ping-ponging around Airbnbs while I'm out here in BC. And uh, one thing I've been running into lately, it's kind of neat. It's uh, fairly common. It's happened to me here in Coquitlam and uh, also over in Surrey is these huge, amazing houses. They're like really modern houses and they're enormous. They're like maybe not as big as the Fresh Prince's house, but like half a French Prince house. Like a mini mansion, a McMansion that nobody could ever actually afford. And that is evidenced by the fact that these houses are chopped up into rooms and rented out. So the one I'm in now it's so gorgeous, man. It is such a beautiful house. It's like better than any motel I've ever been in. It's like so good. Motel. Are there even motels? Hotel. Is that even a thing that exists anymore? It's got a chandelier, you know, but it's, it's cut up into 15 rooms. There are just a mountain of people there. So I woke up a little early today and, uh, and I realized that the laundry room was free and I'm running out of laundry. So I was like, you know what? I better just do this right now. Instead of going back to bed, let's do this laundry. So, uh, so I'm a little less invigorated than I would like to be, but I was like, all right, fuck that though. doesn't matter. Get up, go out, go do my day, go do my stuff. It'll be okay. Because being tired shouldn't throw you off. And uh, next time I get sick, we'll talk about that too. Hopefully nothing extremely terrible will happen in my life to really test this philosophy. I feel like if uh, my whole family dies in a fiery plane crash, then I'll probably stop writing for a while. <laughs> but, but just the stuff of like, oh, I'm tired, I'm sick, because this isn't quite going right, that's not quite going right. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Don't skip a day, don't skip a day, keep going. That was actually something I kind of liked. There's a lot of good stuff in it, there's this book it's called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, and I heard it because Joe Rogan recommended it. And uh, it's got some weird parts. It's got some parts where I kind of rolled my eyes and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. But it's a very short book, and most of it is very, very cool. And it's, it's just him talking. He's, he wrote The Legend of Beggar Vance, which I've never read nor seen the movie of. Apparently, though, he has these books about ancient Greece that are supposed to be really awesome that I will read one day. So just because uh, this guy struggled to get his groove on as a writer for so long, so he wrote a book about the process, and it's real good. I definitely recommend it. And one of the things that he brought up is this very thing of like, it doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you're weak. It doesn't matter if you're huddled, if you're a huddled mass on this given day that, you know, the difference between a hobbyist and a professional is that the hobbyist isn't consistent and the professional is. 
And he said, like, just think of writing like your job. Like, when I was a dishwasher, I was sick. I didn't want to go. I was exhausted. I hated it. And I still went every day till I quit. But, you know, you just, if you think about job jobs, like, you, people delineate that stuff of, like, well, writing, you know, isn't like my job. My job is miserable. And writing is fun. But you've got to apply the same thought process to your writing as you would to your job. That you're gonna keep showing up. You're gonna show up every day whether you want to or not. Because that's really all it means to be pro. For that to be the work that you do. Is that you do it regardless of how you're feeling. You just do it. And I liked reading that because it is a nice little... Yeah, like it doesn't actually matter if you feel queasy or if you have a headache. It doesn't matter. You can still show up. You can still get work done. If you could show up to your shitty job, then you can show up for this. Now, that being said, I also, as I've talked about many times already, I don't believe in putting undue pressure on yourself because in the long term, I think if you put too much weight on yourself, you'll just collapse. You won't get stronger, you'll just grind down until you get weaker. So while I think you should marshal your strength and fight through fatigue and fight through whatever the problem of the day is and still sit down and write, you should do that. No matter what, unless your whole family died in a plane crash, then feel free to take a week off. But you should, you should force yourself to write However, the writing itself, then that comes back to what I've been saying in this show, is that it doesn't have to be much. It just has to be a little bit. If you get more done, good for you. It only has to be a little bit. So that's kind of how I think about things for myself, is there is that like drill sergeant, Spartan army, super harsh, like I need to marshal my spirit, I need to be disciplined, I need to be a tough-ass motherfucker side. And that side is, I'm gonna show up every day. I'm gonna work every day. For the rest of my life, the day I die, I'm gonna write something. It's not gonna stop. However, on each specific day, in that specific moment of sitting down and writing, I take the exact opposite approach. For that, I take the Mom patting you on the head, big bowl of chicken soup. Everything's comfy, everything's cozy, no pressure, just do your best. Participation badges all around, you know? Like, so that, that's really how I find works the best for me, is my drill sergeant, my hard-ass motherfucker, my heroic, I'm gonna do a thing and I'm not gonna fail, is a long-term view, is I'm gonna make myself right every day, come hell or high water. But then, the actual process of writing on any given day, I want that to be as cuddly as it can be. I wanna have notes from yesterday that I set up for myself because I, instead of working harder yesterday, I just set up notes for myself today. I wanna go to a coffee shop, I wanna be all nice and warm and comfortable, 
I want to be listening to cool music, I want to buy a coffee, and then I want to write. And if I bail out on that writing after 20 minutes, that's fine. As long as I did something. Because, as I've described, it's just such a fallacy that you need to do a lot of work each day. Life is just such a process. And we're particularly obsessed with overwork, I would call it, in North America. Because as I learn about, I'm reading a lot of books about tribal life, because there's so much stuff about modern life that is just miserable, and I just don't fit in with, and I never will fit in with. And it's nice to read about how our physiology and our biology and just the way we are is so wired for tribal life and communal life then no wonder this fucking weird capitalist superstructure is unpleasant and uncomfortable. And this notion of super hard work, like even if you're a hunter-gatherer, it wasn't hard work the way we do hard work. It was not eight to 10 hours of work unless everything was going wrong. It was like a few hours. And it's just like, it's, that's a, a good example of what I was talking about at the start, of these things that we just take for granted because it's how we grew up. I always took for granted that an eight hour workday is the minimum, you know? If you really care, if you're really dedicated, you should work 10 hours a day. You got the time. Fuck, do 12, why not? Show everyone how hard you're working, how much you care. And then I'm just learning more and more how that's insane. That's not how anybody ever has been. That's not how we work. That's not functional. And yet we're all doing it. So we can buy some fucking weird mansion on the hill that then is just crazy property taxes and shit and we just have to rent out 14 of the other rooms. Like, I don't know. That one has been really tough for me because I've never followed a normal career path even though I could have, you know, it's like I could have gone to university. My parents would have paid for me to go. They would have loved it. I could have had a normal job. I could have done all that stuff and I didn't. And there's like a lot of sort of guilt of like, okay, so now you're in your thirties and you're still just working on writing a book. Like where's all your material wealth? Where's all your evidence of success? And it's like a process of like shedding that, of just like, like dead skin you've got to slough off. Of like, just because that's what everyone else says and that's what everyone else thinks, doesn't mean that that has ever made sense. That shit has only been in vogue since like the fucking industrial revolution to now. It's a very short amount of time. And maybe it was important when North Americans were founding a whole new country, arguably, it's not important anymore. Everything's fine now, you know? There's no need to be miserable. There's no need to grind yourself into the goddamn dirt just so someone else will maybe be impressed. Fuck that. So yeah, the two sides of that coin. Work every day, be strict, be regimented, be like a goddamn warrior about working every day. But, when you actually are facing down your writing, you gotta, you gotta fight to get to that point. You've gotta fight to sit yourself down in front 
of your writing device of choice with the express purpose of writing. That's the fight, to make sure you do that every day. Once you're there, stop fighting. Once you're there, just flow with it. Just do whatever you feel like is appropriate when you're there. And that ties into what I did yesterday. So, as I've been describing for these few episodes, I've just been working on a conversation between these two characters. And uh, yesterday, I feel like I finally got it pretty much nailed down. But I didn't actually write it. I wrote just lowercase, no punctuation, little notes at the bottom. C says this, Q says this, they go here, they go out here, this happens, that happens. You know, maybe a dozen little lines that'll take me to the end of this chapter. And I could have sat there and kept working, but I didn't because I wanted, in a way, to kind of pass that off to the me of today. Sometimes there's no choice but to leave a big gaping hole for you of tomorrow to deal with. But today, I'm like, look at that, I got it all sorted out. Now I just gotta sit down and write that shit. And you know what? I'm gonna leave that for the Keith of tomorrow. And he's gonna have a good time, <laughs> you know? I like to like gift things to myself in that way sometimes. Of like, I want tomorrow's writing to feel like it's gonna be fun. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna get up, gonna go out in the rain, I'm gonna be tired, but I'm gonna go get a coffee and I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna write this stuff that's been laid out for me and say a little thank you to the me of yesterday who set that up for me and then I'll try to set up something for the me of tomorrow and just to keep that train going, just to keep that track going because as I keep saying and as I will keep saying, doesn't matter how much you do each day as long as you just keep going, keep going, keep going. That's kind of interesting too, just the way this podcast It'll be interesting to see how it affects the process and if it ultimately even does. But I, I've sort of started feeling that a little bit. It's like, well, if I'm going to be documenting this, shouldn't I be doing more? Shouldn't I really buckle down right now and write more so I'll have more to say that I did tomorrow? And I have to remind myself, no. No, I'm just falling back into that trap of expectation of like, that the view from outside, whether it's true or whether it's just in my own head, but that this view from outside is that I should be more productive and I should be doing more work. But I'm not doing that for me. I'm doing that for some outsider, for some outside validation that in this case is completely imaginary because not only has no one said that, there's probably a handful of people even listening to this podcast at this point. If anyone ever listens to this podcast, it'll be later when I am anyone that someone would care about. <laughs> you know? That sounds like a bad way to put it. As a writer, I mean. If someone reads a novel I wrote and then they might say, oh, look, he's got this podcast, let me check it out. Right now, that's not the case. So it's completely imaginary, this like pressure of like, oh, I should be writing more. And I have to remind myself, no, that's not the point. That's not what this is about. It's not about impressing anybody. It's not about getting a bunch of work done in a given day. All this is about is not failing, not quitting, just trudging forward a little bit every day, like climbing a rock wall, just finding the next handhold, finding the next foothold, moving slowly 
moving slowly and eventually getting to the end. Because if I go too fast, if I put too much pressure on myself, I'll just fall, I'll just tumble. Slower is faster. That's like a mantra that uh, me and my friend Matt came up with about that video game Dark Souls. That's famously hard, but it's an excellent game. But a lot of the times in Dark Souls when you die, it's just because you weren't careful. You weren't observant. You were trying to go too fast and you fail and your net time will be far longer. Trying to go fast will make your overall results slower because you'll keep stumbling and you'll keep falling and you'll keep failing. Where if you're just consistent and careful and slow and methodical, you'll get there. Okay, so thanks for listening. Uh, today's Zen song that will maybe spark a nice little idea for some writing or will just be a fun little song to listen to. It's called Center for the Holy Wars by the New Pornographers. I don't know this band very well. On like an album to album basis, I've never really been able to sink my teeth in. But they're one of those bands that occasionally a song bubbles up. And those songs that bubble up are so fucking good. Like I think if you took basically like the best song from each of their albums, you would have one of the greatest albums of all time type of situation. So this is, I believe, their very first album. And it's just so catchy. Just the little chorus of this song, it's such an earworm. The way the girl sings in the background, it's fucking awesome. So thank you for listening. I hope your work is going well. Center for the Holy Wars by the New Pornographers. I gotta go get a coffee and get some writing done. See you tomorrow.